Hi, I'm Pastor Stefan Margeson. This is the sermon podcast for Aldersgate Worship Service of Front Street United Methodist Church in Burlington, North Carolina. Come and join us each Sunday morning in person at 8.45 a.m. in the Aldersgate Gym. God be with you. Good morning again. I am so glad to be here. We're kind of coming to a close on our series, this portion of this series. I'm going to talk more about that in a moment. But I don't know about you, it's an, it feels like an extra early Sunday morning. Does it feel extra early? I feel a little more tired. Maybe it's just me. My household is getting used to um, Gemma, our oldest daughter's new sleep cycle, which is to not sleep. Um, so if you will, bear with me. I- I'm going to stretch, and I invite you to stretch with me this morning as we get started. We look at Scripture. It's good to not only open up our hearts and our minds, but also our bodies to how Christ is working in our lives. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, God of the spaces in between, liminal spaces, Lord, this morning we pray to you asking that the words of all of our hearts and minds be holy to you as we go forth sharing what commonality we have with others and search for a single relationship with you. And this we pray. Amen. Well, we have spent the last two weeks working through this idea of a threshold living, kind of living in that door space. Uh, You are not outside, but you're not quite inside. And we've toyed around with this idea of liminal space. Liminal space being the space in between something that has ended and something that has yet begun. And we've been kind of going over that over and over again, trying to get us accustomed or even to acknowledge how much liminal spaces take up work and space in our life. And for most of us, I wonder at this point, after two weeks of using that liminal space and threshold living, I wonder if it still means quite the same as when we began with it. I mean, maybe we've used it over and over so much that it doesn't mean anything anymore. You know those words where you use them over and over again in a short period and all of a sudden you look at it and say, that is just a string of letters and I have no idea even what it looks like. You've been there before. And so maybe we've overused it a little bit. Maybe liminal space is a bit overdone. But that's just the thing about liminal spaces, that they are so tricky like that. It's an over-experienced thing in our lives, so much so that we don't even recognize it when we're in one. Liminal spaces that we live in, they are such commonplace in our world and in our culture and in our lives that it can become something we don't even phase at. It's something that we don't even really recognize or engage with when we're in it because we're just so used to it. Over and over again, we experience it and we feel as though at this point it's just part of life, right? And I say this, and we're still wondering, well, what are liminal spaces? Where does that exist? And that's the unfortunate thing about liminal spaces and how over-experienced they are in our lives that they can become something where, well, maybe we don't recognize them. Maybe we don't recognize them when we're in them. Or, Or maybe even more dangerously, maybe we think it's too easy to get out of them. 
The, two weeks ago, I, I was in an airport traveling from uh, vacation, coming back here, flying into Raleigh-Durham, but I was stuck in LaGuardia for a little bit. I had a layover flight, and uh, I felt very much so in a liminal space in that. This is a good example. I'm sure most of you can, can think about this, a time you were stuck in a place like an airport, a liminal space. I had left vacation, that was over, but my time home had not yet begun, and so I'm in this in between. And very much so like Joseph from last week, I felt like I was a bit in prison. I was stuck there waiting for this regional flight to come in. Now, regional flight, if you aren't sure what exactly that is, it's just a fancy word for a small plane that only goes once a day. So I'm waiting around for this regional flight to come in. I'm stuck in this airport. I feel like I'm in prison waiting at the behest of a, a plane or a, a pilot to get ready to come back to Raleigh, Raleigh-Durham. And so I, I fly into, finally, Raleigh-Durham, and I get into the car, and I, I start driving home, and I spend that next 45 or so minutes on the way home. And, and I finally get there, and, and when I get there, it's, it's a realization, a, a breath of fresh air, a, a, a calm peace that comes over me, isn't it? that I get home and I'm finally done with this traveling. I've made it back to my destination. I'm after this liminal space. I'm out of it. But as I start to settle in, in a few minutes, it hits me pretty quickly. I'm not quite there yet. Because as I've brought the luggage in, now I've got to unpack that. And that's going to take three, four, five days. And then I've got to get back into those rhythms of life, those routines that I had been used to. I'd been away from for a week, and you'd think I'd fall back into those, but no. I need that vacation time that's after vacation time where I rest, and I, I get into it slowly and, and acclimate to it, kind of like a goldfish to new water. I've got to take time, settle in. And, and all of this goes on, and finally I get to that place, and it doesn't feel like I've had enough time, but there I am in the office again, working on whatever it is that's on my desk that's been there for a week and a half, because I, I didn't feel like I needed to work with it before I left for vacation. And so, after all of this, all of this time of finally being back home, but then getting to the workplace, this time of liminality, really, it hasn't ended when I got after the airport, when I got home, but it's, it's slowly blended into my life. I haven't moved past it, really. It's just pretty much become a part of my next little thing that I was going through, getting back into work. It blended into my next space, which was reality outside of vacation. It never really ended. It just kind of fizzled, phased, but it never disappeared. I feel like that's how a lot of us probably work in our lives. When we see liminality, when we can recognize those spaces that we're in, when we're in a waiting period, maybe waiting for a pregnancy to come to term, waiting for a job application to come through, waiting for school to start, waiting for this or that, we recognize those liminal spaces easily, but we have set goals, ideas, ideals, really, on what it looks like to be out of those liminal spaces. When we get to that place where the school has started, where our job has come through, where our finances are set, where we're no longer in that waiting period of whatever it is, not waiting for anything else except the Amazon truck, and we feel as though that's the place we're finally out of liminal spaces. But are we really? 
we think in those places, that we're no longer in between, but now we're in control. Joseph, I wonder, was probably in a similar situation. Thirteen years he spends in prison. Thirteen years with nothing to hold on to but the dreams, not of himself, but of other people. Dreams of the cupbearer and the baker and then of Pharaoh. Joseph has nothing to hold on to. He is imprisoned in this small space with nothing of himself. And so when he's pulled out of that and brought into this place of authority and and we think Joseph, he's finally getting what he deserves. He's finally getting out of that liminal space. He's finally moving past that period of waiting, long, long waiting. He's got a place of authority. He's got a seat at the table. He's got a position and a wife and a family. He's got success in the work that he is doing. And it seems like he is no longer in between, but he is in control. What great wonder. But is it? Because I look at the beginning of this story and I see, I see so little action from Joseph himself. So little action from Joseph himself. If you go through that narrative right there in verses 41 through 49, you see Pharaoh that pulls Joseph out of prison, that gives Joseph the ring and the cloak, that puts Joseph, forcing him almost, doesn't ask him, but puts him into the position of authority. Pharaoh is the one that gives him his wife and his place and gives him his job and gives him his movings, his goings and his doings. Pharaoh is the one that pushes Joseph along in this world. And we begin to wonder right there, is Joseph really in control. Well, it seems as though he has success from the work that he is doing in those seven years of abundance. He is collecting more and more. He is storing up unfathomable amounts of grain and resources so they could get through the famine. It seems like he has success there, doesn't it? But this is the same Joseph that for 13 years was in prison with nothing, with nothing to hold on to, with nothing of himself. And you have to wonder, from that place of nothing to that place of everything, what kind of person had he become to where he needed to store up over and over again these goods, these resources, to continue to build up a storehouse for others but also himself so that he wouldn't fall back into that place of having nothing. He wanted to have something forever. He didn't want to fall back into having nothing into prison, and so he stored up more and more unfathomable amounts. Is he in between? Is he in control? You've seen the show Hoarders, and you wonder, are they in control? This opposite pendulum swing for Joseph from having nothing to having more than anything, it seems as though... Joseph may not be fully in control. And it's in that picture that I begin to look at my life and I ask the questions of myself, how in control am I? How often am I storing up things within me, within my house, within my my finances, storing up things that I want to hold on to so that when that next liminal space comes around, I've got a storehouse of things to pull from, resources to have, resources to dig into. How often are you in the opposite reaction of those liminal spaces, pulling together things of this world so that you have, 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 so that you won't find a place of not having? 
How are we in control? How are we not in between if we're still reacting in this way to what the world offers? I don't know. I'm not sure that it really worked for Joseph, not at this moment. I'm not sure. Because this picture doesn't seem so in control. It seems as though this liminal space of 13 years of prison has just blended in to his new space and his new life. How might it be for us? And as I think about this and I ask the question and and Joseph asked the question and and we asked the question, well, how, how do we survive? How do we thrive? What do we do? How can we live in order to get out of these liminal spaces? Because that seems like the goal, right? How do we get to that next place that's no longer liminal, but then the what's after? Well, for Joseph, it was never about the place that he went to, the authority that he had, the things that he possessed. It was something different. And he found his way out more times than we really realize, but it was never in a transition in the real world. It was something that happened within him. For Joseph, it happened even before this moment of coming out of prison. For Joseph, it was just that moment right before Pharaoh tells him his dream, and that story arc continues. You see, as Pharaoh has found out that he has someone in his prison that can interpret strange dreams, he he pulls Joseph out and brings him to his chambers and says, I have this dream, it is a wild dream, I don't know what it means, I need help, can you interpret this dream for me? And in chapter 41, verse 16, Joseph replies, A short and easy reply. Joseph looks at Pharaoh and says, I can't. But God can. That's the space where we see Joseph moving out of liminality. Moving out of this in-between and into the comfort of God's arms. It is not a place in the world that we might think of. It is not a position or a holding of anything of his, but it is a state of being, a state of trust and faith that Joseph falls into and Joseph accepts. It is not about what he can do, but it is about what God can do. That is the place we see Joseph escape even before he escapes the actual holds of this world. And that is the place that we are called to as well. In our waitings, which go on and on and on, in our prisons, which hold us close and close and close, in our workings of bringing things together within us to hold on to for the next liminal space, even though it's already here, that is what we are called to do, is to look for ways in which we can let go and say, I can't, but God can. Friends, this is just a tease, if you will. This is the end of this story, but the markings of the next story that is to come. Next week, we're going to take a quick break from this story with Joseph, and we're going to look at Sabbath, rest. What a wonderful thing it will be to see that in light of a celebration of the workforce, right? Labor Day weekend. And so I invite you back to that, but I particularly invite you back to two weeks when we'll continue this story in a place where you may not know there is a continuation. Because this marks the end of Genesis, the story of Joseph moving into this place and bringing his family to Egypt to survive those seven years of famine and then to thrive. But the next story to follow begins the Exodus story, the Israelites that move into the wilderness. 
And it's this space of liminality where we won't have to deal with acknowledgement of it. We know it's there, but we'll just move into a space of understanding how those people from Joseph understood how to live in a full faith, redefining that. So I invite you to that. A little tease this week, because I want you to come back and hear the rest of the story. And as we move into that, wow, what beautiful things God will show us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.